Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. On Friday, we covered the story of Dina, Jacob's only daughter. And today, I'd like to move forward and look at another woman in the Bible, a woman named Tamar. But to get there, I have to begin with the story of Joseph. So I'm putting into Genesis chapter 37, and follow along with me as we set up the story of Tamar. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Now Joseph, who was son number 11 of Jacob, and his favorite son because he's the one born to Jacob's beloved Rachel, who has died. So Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now remember, Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, the sisters, they were full legitimate wives. But then he was given the servant girls of Leah and Rachel, and he had children with them too. So he's tending flocks with the children of Bilhah and Zilpah. He didn't like them at all. And Joseph brought a bad report back to Jacob about what they were doing out there in the field, tending the flocks. Now, Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Oh, here we go again. How often have we seen this now? He loved him more than the other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age and, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him, or traditionally, a coat of many colors. A coat of many colors, richly ornamented. This is not something you tend the sheep in. But Joseph, 17 years old, was a somewhat, no, I shouldn't say somewhat, a very arrogant young teenager. His brothers hated him because of it. He wore his coat of many colors, his richly ornamented robe, out to the field. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. Now, one night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, watch what he does. Joseph said to his brothers, Listen, I had a dream. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose, stood upright, and all of your sheaves bowed down to mine. His brothers said, What, you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And Joseph delights in tormenting his brothers. And then he had another dream. And he told this one to his brothers as well. Listen, hey, I had another dream last night. And this time, the sun and moon and 11 stars. The sun would be Jacob. The moon would be 
his mother, and the 11 stars would be the brothers. And they're all bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. He said, what, what's this dream you had? Well, your, your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were very jealous of him. And they hated him all the more. But Jacob kept the matter in mind. He didn't let this go. He could see what was going on with the boys. Now, Joseph's brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, Jacob, said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. So come, I'm going to send you to visit them. Check up on them. You gave me a bad report a while back. I want to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and not out there fooling around in the field somewhere. So I'm sending you to them. Very well, he replied. So Joseph donned his coat of many colors and off he went. Go and see if all is well, his father said. Well, Joseph arrived at Shechem and he, a man found him wandering around in the fields and he asked him, what are you looking for? And Joseph replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where, they, where they're grazing their flocks? Oh, they've moved on from here. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Now, Dothan is up north, almost up to the Jezreel Valley. The city of Dothan, the village, only appears twice in Scripture, once here and once when Elisha and his servant are there for the night, surrounded by the Aramean army. Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and, sure enough, found them near Dothan. But they saw him coming from a distance. Well, how could they miss him in the coat of many colors? They saw him coming. And they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Let's, let's kill him and throw him in a cistern and say a wild animal devoured him. <laughs> then we'll see what comes of his stupid dreams. Well, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Come on, guys, he said. We can't take his life. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Let, let's just give him a good scare. Let's drop him in the cistern and go away and have lunch. Then we'll come back and get him. We'll scare him. Reuben wanted to rescue Joseph. So when Joseph came to his brothers, sure enough, they beat him up. They stripped him of the coat of many colors. And they took him and tossed him in a cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. It was a dry cistern for storing grain. A cistern is big. I've been down inside cisterns in the land of Israel. They're the size, well, one that I was in, in the old city of David. We climbed down a ladder and it must have been a good 30 to 40 feet down to the bottom. And once in the bottom, it was shaped like a light bulb. 
the bottom was big, the sides curved upward to the exit. So once in there, if you don't have a ladder or a rope to get out, you cannot get out. That's where they threw him, and they covered it. Pitch black. He's scared to death, stripped of his clothes. Well, as they sat down to eat their meal, so they went off to have lunch, they looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way down to Egypt. And Judah, brother number four, said to his brothers, Hey, look, guys, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Let, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. After all, come on, he's our own brother, our own flesh and blood. So, when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, we have a bit of a problem here, an ambiguity in this verse. When the Midianite merchants came by, they, does they point to the Midianite merchants or to the brothers? I would argue that they point to the Midianites. When the Midianite merchants came by, they pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So the boys in this reading, the one I've just presented to you, the boys finish eating and Reuben returned back to the cistern to get Joseph out. You know, we've scared him. Let's give him, you know, we give him a good scare and uh, get his mind right. But they get back to the cistern. Reuben got back. He looked and Joseph was gone. He went back to his brothers. He said, the boy's not there. What do we do now? You see, they were going to play a prank on him, teach him a lesson. But while they were off eating lunch, the Midianites came by, heard Joseph down in the cistern, help, help, get me out. They pulled him out and they sold him to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So what are the brothers going to do now? How, how do we tell Dad? They got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in the blood, and took the coat of many colors, the richly ornamented robe, back to their father. And they said, literally, in Hebrew, this we found as they hold it up to Jacob's face. And notice, they don't say anything else. This we found. Jacob recognized it. And he said, it's my son's robe. Some ferocious animals devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth and mourned for his son. His sons and daughters came to comfort him. He refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning, I will go down to the grave to my son. And his father wept and wept and wept. Meanwhile, 
the Midianites had sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, captain of the guard. Now, I note this story because we now move to chapter 38, the story of Judah and Tamar. Now, remember, Judah is deeply involved here in the story of throwing Joseph in the cistern and losing him. We read in chapter 38, <coughs> excuse me, at that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. So Judah, son number four, left home. Look, the boys don't leave home. This is an extended family. We saw how important that extended family was in the story of Dina. They stick together. Judah left I think he left because he, he couldn't bear to see his father weeping day after day, mourning Joseph. And Judah, Judah knew what happened. And, and he just couldn't stay there any longer. So he moves out. And there, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and lay with her. A Canaanite daughter. Do you remember back when Abraham sent his servant to get a wife for Isaac? Do not come back. Don't let her marry a Canaanite woman. And you remember Esau, to really get under his parents' skin, married Canaanite women. Now Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man, And he married her, and he lay with her, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kazib that she gave birth to him. So now Judah has had three children with this Canaanite woman. He's been there at least three years, I would think. And more time passes. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and named her Tamar. Here we meet Tamar. So Judah got a wife for Ur. That means Ur, his firstborn son, is now a grown young man. So Judah's been away from home for a long time. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. <laughs> to err is human, I suppose. <laughs> then Judah said to Onan, Lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. So if your brother marries and dies before having children, it's the next brother's obligation to marry the widow have a child with her, and that child will become the legal heir of the dead brother. That's what he's been told to do. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. And what he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So he put him to death also. Now what was it Onan did? He failed to fulfill his duty as a brother. 
the heir produced would be the legitimate heir to the family. But in doing so, in producing that child, he would disinherit himself. Because if there was no child, he would be the heir. So he's not going to do that. He's not going to lose out on the fortune. That's what was wrong. Not his, spilling his semen on the ground. It was not fulfilling his obligation to his brother. Well, Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, think of, of kind Judah. He said to his daughter-in-law, live as a widow in your father's house until my son Sheila grows up. For he thought, huh, he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. Judah sent her away and said, go live in your father's house until my son Sheila grows up. And Judah had no intention of giving his son Sheila to her. He just booted her out. Well, after a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. And when Judah had recovered from his grief in about a day and a half, he went up to Timnah, to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira the Adulamite went with him. The sheep shearing is time for a big party. That's the sheep are sheared, all the wool is sold, the income rolls in, and you celebrate with a big party. So his wife had died, and after he got over it, in a very short time, he went to the party. Now when Tamar was told, notice she's still at her father's home. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear the sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and sat down at the entrance to Aeneum, which is on the road to Timnah. For she, she saw that though Sheila had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. She knew that Judah had no intention of giving his son to her. So she takes matters into her own hands. She sat down along the road. Now it's a big party is going to happen. We have a party like that in the book of Ruth when we bring in all the harvest. That's when everybody gets paid. That's when they're eating and the drinking and the celebrating, the dancing and the music. And that's when men spend a lot of money on women. So she goes and sits by the roadside and they think she's a common whore on the roadside looking for business. In fact, when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Now, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside. He said, come now. My NIV translation reads, let me sleep with you. What he says is, Come now, let me enter you. What will you give me to enter me, she asked. I'll give you a young goat. A goat. <laughs> well, I don't see a young goat. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? Well, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand. That is, give me 
your American Express Platinum card and your password. He gave them to her because he wanted to enter her. And she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil, put on her widow's clothes again, and went back home. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, in order to get his American Express Platinum card back. He asked all the men who lived there, where, where's the prostitute who was along the road? There hasn't been any prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah, and he said, I, I couldn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said there, there hasn't been any prostitute here. And then Judah said, oh, let her keep what she has. I'll cancel the credit card. I'll, I'll become a laughing stock." After all, I, I did send the young goat like I said I would. Well, about three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution. As a result, she's now pregnant. Kind Judah said, huh, I knew she was no good. Bring her out and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law, I'm pregnant by the man who owns these. And she holds up the American Express Platinum card. And she added, See if you recognize who seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them. Now notice in the story of Joseph, when the brothers hold up the coat of many colors, all bloodied, they say nothing. But Jacob recognized them. There's recognition running all through these stories. Judah recognized them and said, oh, She's more righteous than I. I, I. I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila. He did not sleep with her again. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And as she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand, so the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it to his wrist. He's the first one to come out. But then he drew back his hand, and his brother came out. Any of this remind you of Jacob and Esau? This one came out first, she said. But when he drew his hand back in, his brother came out. She said, well, so this is how you've broken out and he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out, and he was given the name Zerah. Next chapter, we go back to Joseph and Potiphar's wife. So chapter 38 is a little insert within the story of Joseph. That becomes very important later in the story of Joseph because it will be Judah who steps up to the plate, confesses to Joseph, who is now prime minister of Egypt, Judah is the one who will save his brothers from Joseph, the prime minister. Oh, and we hear this story again, or he have allusion to it again, if you turn back to Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus in 
the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1. Listen to this. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Well, we've read that story. Isaac, the father of Jacob, we've read that story. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, their son number four, Judah. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. There they are, right in Jesus' genealogy. And we go from Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, oh, the greatest love story in the Bible, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And from David down through the kings of Judah, all the way to Jesus himself. This story, this little inset in the story of Joseph is critical to the genealogy that produces Jesus. How about that? I love the way scripture works when it does things like this. Hey, there we are right at the end. Last time I reminded you about uh, checking audible.com. Uh, just go to Audible, search Dr. Bill Creasy, and the entire catalog of all of my courses will come up book by book, taught verse by verse through the entire Bible, audible.com. If you're sitting at home dealing with this COVID pandemic, that might be a good way to pass the time, listen to a few of the lessons. So there we are. I'll be back again on Wednesday. Take care. Keep me in your prayers if you would, and I'll keep you in mine as well. Thank you. Bye-bye now.